The barely known Bluebeard tales constitute a genre filled with your worst nightmares. Murderous husbands, bloody hanging corpses, and dismembered bodies alike. The first written appearance of this category of tale is the one you're about to hear. First published in Charles Perrault's Tales of Mother Goose. Frighteningly enough, a collection for children. While the story has a happy ending, it's hard to imagine the heroine actually escapes without a decent amount of PTSD. The character of Bluebeard is always wealthy and seemingly discriminated against for, you guessed it, his Bluebeard. The minimal company he keeps is always repulsed by his appearance, but his riches are too irresistible for the young women he ensnares. This story can and has been read as a cautionary tale for overly curious women who disobey their husbands. However, his final wife, thankfully, survives and triumphs in the end. Charles Perrault added morals at the end of all of his stories in order to make his point clear. There are two morals at the end of this story, and it's mostly about curiosity, that it causes problems and insubordination in women. But the other is a little more kind to today's times. See which one you like best. This is Bluebeard by Charles Perrault. There once was a man who had fine houses, both in the city and in the country. Dinner services of gold and silver, chairs covered with tapestries, and coaches covered with gold. But this man had the misfortune of having a blue beard, which made him look so ugly and frightful that women and girls alike fled at the sight of him. One of his neighbors, a respectable lady, had two daughters who were perfect beauties. He asked for the hand of one, but left it up to the mother to choose which one. Neither of the two girls wanted to marry him and the offer went back and forth between them since they could not bring themselves to marry a man with a blue beard. What added even more to their sense of disgust was that he had already married several women, and no one knew what had become of them. In order to cultivate their acquaintance, Bluebeard threw a party for the two girls with their mother, three or four of their closest friends, and a few young men from the neighborhood in one of his country houses. It lasted an entire week. Every day there were parties of pleasure, hunting, fishing, dancing, and dining. The guests never even slept, but cavorted and caroused all night long. Everything went so well that the younger of the two sisters began to think that the beard of the master of the house was not so blue after all, and that he was in fact a fine fellow. As soon as they returned to town, the marriage was celebrated. After a month had passed, Bluebeard told his wife that he had to travel to take care of some urgent business in the provinces and that he would be away for at least six weeks. He urged her to enjoy herself while he was away, to invite her closest friends and to take them out to the country if she wished. Above all, she was to stay in good spirits. Here, he said, are the keys to my two large storerooms. Here are the ones for the gold and silver china that is too good for everyday use. Here are the ones for my strong boxes, where my gold and silver are kept. Here are the ones for the caskets, where my jewels are stored. And finally, this is the passkey to all the rooms in my mansion. 
As for this particular key, it is the key to the small room at the end of the long passage on the lower floor. Open anything you want, go anywhere you wish, but I absolutely forbid you to enter that little room. And if you so much as open it a crack, there will be no limit to my anger. She promised to follow the orders he had just given exactly. After kissing his wife, Bluebeard got into the carriage and embarked on his journey. Friends and neighbors of the young bride did not wait for an invitation before coming to call. So great was their impatience to see the splendors of the house, they had not dared to call while the husband was there, because of his blue beard, which frightened them. In no time, they were darting through the rooms, the closets, and the wardrobes, each of which was more splendid and sumptuous than the next. Then they went upstairs to the storerooms, where they could not find words to describe the number and beauty of the tapestries, beds, sofas, cabinets, stands, and tables. There were looking-glasses, in which you could see yourself from head to toe, some of which had frames of glass, others of silver or gilded lacquer, but all of which were more splendid and magnificent than anyone there had ever seen. They kept on expressing praise, even as they felt envy for the good fortune of their friend, who, however, was unable to take any pleasure at all from the sight of these riches, because she was so anxious to get into that room on the lower floor. So tormented was she by her curiosity that, without stopping to think about how rude it was to leave her friends, she raced down a little staircase so fast that more than once she thought she was going to break her neck. When she reached the door to the room, she stopped to think for a moment about how her husband had forbidden her to enter, and she reflected on the harm that might come her way for being disobedient. But the temptation was so great that she was unable to resist it. She took the little key and, trembling, opened the door. At first she saw nothing, for the windows were closed. After a few moments, she began to realize that the floor was covered with clotted blood, and that blood reflected the bodies of several dead women hung up on the walls. These were all the women Bluebeard had married and then murdered, one after another. She thought she would die of fright, and the key to the room, which she was about to pull out of the lock, dropped from her hand. When she regained her senses, she picked up the key, closed the door, and went back to her room to compose herself. But she didn't succeed, for her nerves were too frayed. Having noticed that the key to the room was stained with blood, she wiped it two or three times, but the blood would not come off at all. She tried to wash it off, and even to scrub it with sand and grit. The bloodstain would not come off, because the key was enchanted, and nothing could clean it completely. When you clean the stain from one side, it just returned on the other. That very night, Bluebeard returned unexpectedly from his journey, and reported that, on the road, he had received letters informing him that the business upon which he had set forth had just been settled to his satisfaction. His wife did everything that she could to make it appear that she was thrilled with his speedy return. The next day, he asked to have the keys back, and she returned them, but with a hand trembling so much that he knew at once what had happened. How is it, he asked, that the key to the little room isn't with the others? I must have left it upstairs on my dressing table, she replied. Don't forget to bring it to me soon. Bluebeard told her. 
After making one excuse after another, she had to bring him the key. Bluebeard examined it and said to his wife, Why is there blood on this key? I have no idea, answered the poor woman, paler than death. You have no idea, Bluebeard replied, but I have an idea. You tried to enter that little room. Well, madam, now that you have opened it, you can go right in and take your place beside the ladies whom you saw there. She threw herself at her husband's feet, weeping and begging his pardon, with all the signs of genuine regret for disobeying him. She looked so beautiful and was so distressed that she would have melted a heart of stone. But Bluebeard had a heart harder than any rock. You must die, madam, he declared, and it will be right away. Since I must die, she replied, gazing at him with eyes full of tears. Give me a little time to say my prayers. I will give you a quarter of an hour, Bluebeard said, but not a moment more. When she was alone, she called her sister and said to her, Sister Anne, for that was her name, I implore you to go to the top of the tower to see if my brothers are on the way here. They told me they were coming to visit today. If you catch sight of them, signal them to hurry. Sister Anne went to the top of the tower, and the poor distressed girl cried out from time to time, Anne, Sister Anne, do you see anyone coming? Sister Anne replied, I see nothing but the sun shining and the green grass growing. In the meantime, Bluebeard took an enormous cutlass in hand and cried out at the top of his voice to his wife, Come down at once, or I'll go up there. Just a moment more, I beg you, his wife replied, and at the same time she called out softly, Anne, Sister Anne, do you see anyone coming? And Sister Anne replied, I see nothing but the sun shining and the green grass growing. Come down at once, Bluebeard called, or I'll go up there. I'm coming, his wife replied, and then she called, Anne, Sister Anne. Do you see anyone coming? I can see a great cloud of dust coming this way, replied Sister Anne. Is it my brothers? Oh, no, sister. It's just a flock of sheep. Are you coming down? Bluebeard roared. Just one moment more, his wife replied, and then she called. Anne, Sister Anne, do you see anyone coming? I see two horsemen coming this way, but... They're still far away, she replied. Thank God, she shouted a moment later. It must be our brothers. I'll signal them to hurry up. Bluebeard began shouting so loudly that the entire house shook. His poor wife came downstairs in tears with disheveled hair. She threw herself at his feet. That won't do you any good, said Bluebeard. Prepare to die. Then, taking her by the hair with one hand, and raising his cutlass with the other, he was about to chop off her head. The poor woman turned to him and implored him with a gaze that had death written on it. She begged for one last moment to prepare herself for death. No, no, he said. Prepare to meet your maker. And, lifting his arm, just at that moment, there was such a loud pounding at the gate that Bluebeard stopped short. The gate was opened, and two horsemen, swords in hand, 
dashed in and made straight for Bluebeard. He realized that they were the brothers of his wife. The one a dragoon, the other a musketeer. He fled instantly in an effort to escape, but the two brothers were so hot in pursuit that they trapped him before he could get to the stairs. They plunged their swords through his body and left him for dead. Bluebeard's wife was as close to death as her husband and barely had the strength to rise and embrace her brothers. It turned out that Bluebeard had left no heirs, and so his wife took possession of the entire estate. She devoted a portion of it to arranging a marriage between her sister Anne and a young gentleman with whom she had been in love with for a long time. Another portion of it was used to buy commissions for her two brothers. She used the rest to marry herself to a very worthy man who banished the memory of the miserable days she had spent with Bluebeard. Moral Curiosity, in spite of its many charms, can bring with it serious regrets. You can see a thousand examples of it every day. Women succumb, but it's a fleeting pleasure. As soon as you satisfy it, it ceases to be. And it always proves very, very costly. Another moral. If you just take a sensible point of view and study this grim little story, you will understand that this tale is one that took place many years ago. No longer are husbands so terrible, demanding the impossible, acting unhappy and jealous. With their wives, they toe the line. And whatever color their beards might be, it's not hard to tell which of the pair is master. Many of these fairy tales carry the burden of their tellings being to much too young girls who must marry and leave the comforts of their home. Beauty and the Beast, in particular, can be seen as reassuring to young women in that the husband-to-be may seem like a monster, but there is still hope for love, compassion, and kindness in an advantageous marriage. Bluebeard's stories reveal a horrifying reversal with the threat that leaving the safety of one's own home to be wed could end extremely badly, to say the least. It's no wonder these tale types pale in comparison to the universality of Little Red Riding Hood or Snow White. Bluebeard tales transmit the anxieties and apprehensions that young girls faced when being married off in a world where death and child labor was more common than today, and partnerships had the very real chance of being abusive and violent. While this trope lost its literary acclaim, the theme can be found throughout cinematic horror stories we watch today, even literary tales. Pandora, Eve, Psyche, Alfred Hitchcock's Rebecca, Jane Eyre, all of those had the threat of a room the woman could not enter even though she wanted to because of her curiosity. Thanks for listening to my podcast. I created Telling Tales to really dive into one of my true loves of life, fairy tales. If you love them too, then please like, subscribe, and share this podcast. You can stay up to date by following me on Instagram, at Telling Tales. Have a magical day.